0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today is a very special edition as we are talking Bible prophecy. As so many of you know, Hamas set the world on fire on October 7th, 2023. And today, people are looking around and they're wondering, what is going on? What is happening next? Well, in today's sermon, we're going to answer five critical questions. And, oh, we're going to try to explain so much to you from the Word of God today. Today, if you are born again, today, if you are a Christ follower, and you can tell me more, about Joe Biden or Donald Trump, than you can the coming of Christ, then friends, you're asleep spiritually. Today, if you can tell me more about Taylor Swift, than you can the coming of Christ, then you are asleep spiritually. If you can tell me more about the stock market and the trends financially, then you are asleep spiritually if you can tell me more about that than the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we are living in unbelievable days. And while the news and the media would love to scare you and to have you frightened and behind all of that, while Satan would love for your faith to be paralyzed in these days and in these hours, or sliding back and drifting back? Let me tell you what God wants for his church. God wants his church to rise up in this day, rise up in this hour, and realize the gates of hell will never prevail against us. Amen? And one thing we're going to say a lot over the next two weeks that I want you to really get underneath your belt. I want you to really come to the knowledge of this truth. I want you to live, go forward in your conversations, go forward in your watching of the news, go forward in all of these false narratives that are swirling throughout our society right now. Here is the truth that I don't want you to forget. When things are falling apart in the world, things are falling into place biblically. You belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And no war and no rumors of war, no kingdom rising against kingdom can shake the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ahead of the curve on all of this. Why? Because according to Thessalonians, we are children of the day not children of the night, that these things should overtake us or surprise us. Amen? Amen. So today, if you're someone that you are quite fearful over the world events happening right now, if you are someone that you are filled with anxiety, you are fretting over these things, if they cause your pulse to increase and your stomach to churn, uh, let me tell you, my friends, let me tell you, you rest in the sovereignty of God because God is ahead of all of this and your Bible is ahead of all of it as well, okay? So let me pray for us right now and then I'm going to invite you to Genesis 15. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll take the time that we have here today that you will not only cause us to be serious students of the word of God, Because we feel like Peter. If it were not for your words, Lord, where else would we go? For you alone Lord Jesus have the words of eternal life. So God, I pray that you will take our thoughts today that are anchored and rooted, centered, and grounded in the everlasting truth of God's word. And that we would realize, as Christ's followers, that behind every news headline is a spiritual war that is raging. Teach us many truths today. Teach us how to think. Teach us how to pray in these days that we're living. And help us to discern the times. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to call today discerning the times. Next Sunday, we'll call it the days to come. Today, I aim to answer five key questions. Number one, is Israel occupiers or are they owners of the land? Number two, Why does Satan hate Israel with a passion? Where does anti-Semitism come from? And why is there a rise in anti-Semitism that is unprecedented right now? Number three, where do the Palestinian people come from? Why was the land ever called Palestine? Number four, who is Hamas? And number five, where is all of this leading? About a year and a half ago, a lady began snooping around the street that I live on. Sadie and I live on a private circle. There are the backs of houses on the other side, but we're the only home on that circle, technically. And a lady began showing up in our circle, talking to our neighbors, asking some disturbing questions. It made Sadie and I a little bit nervous because she was asking our neighbors who we were how long we had lived in our home, who the home belonged to. Somebody, someone starts showing up on your street asking those questions, would it make you nervous? Fast forward a year and a half later, there is a lot to our left that is empty, and behind it are all woods, and it goes for 100 acres. And the woman who... The owner lives further down and I know her. That was about a year and a half ago. Well, now this lady shows up yet again in our circle. But this time she tells us she is the new owner of that land. Really? She also informs us that she is the person who had our house built originally, and she was the first family to live there. Now we get real nervous. She took that lady to court, and I don't know all the details. All I know is she won that land back in a court of law. Now you can imagine how nervous Sadie and I are. She's the one who built our house. Is she going to come for our property? Well, when Sadie and I purchased our home a decade ago, we did a very key thing that probably most of you have done. We did what is called a title search. And I told Sadie, oh, no. Our title search is ironclad. Should anyone try to take us to court, we have documents that we could take with us. The narrative that the media would love for you to believe is, well, who was in the land first? The Palestinians or the Israelis? Whose land does it belong And so, even as early as this morning, I heard former President Barack Obama say that there is no justification whatsoever for what Hamas did on October 7th. Yet, he said there is also no justification for Israel being occupiers. The problem with that narrative is that God, let, let me explain. Obama is way above his pay grade on this. God, who is the creator of the land. God, who is the highest Supreme Court justice that there is, has already recorded the deed. There is already a title issued, and you and I are going to do a title search right now. And it's Genesis 15. The question is not who was in the land first. If that were your argument, if that were your reasonings, then by that reasoning, the lady who just disputed the land beside me would have rightful place to my property because she was the one who built it for crying out loud. But does she have rightful possession? No, I do. Why? Because I possess the title. The title Search for Israel is Genesis 15, 18. God gave the land to the children of Israel. So when you hear narratives, the Palestinians were there first, Israel are occupiers, you have to ask yourself biblically what do you believe? Are they occupiers or are they owners? Because there is a great difference. Friends, according to Genesis chapter 15, they are owners of the land. Now, let's understand some things. If you're gonna take notes, I want you to note this about Israel. First of all, let me say, what I'm preaching today is not a blanketed We always support the government of Israel's decisions. I don't think that we are to always blindly simply support everything that Israel does. They are extremely fallible. So it's not a blanket statement to that. But I am going to argue from the scriptures, they are indeed God's people, they are heirs of the promise as is the church. Now, there are some within the church who believe in a doctrine called replacement theology. And replacement theology would say that the church has now replaced Israel. I'm going to explain to you why I don't hold to that belief. I'm going to explain to you why I don't see that in the Scriptures. But if you want to take notes, let's note a few things about Israel. Number one, Israel is the only nation who has a recorded past, a recorded present, and a recorded future. Now, why is that significant? Because if you and I can go back in the past and we can look way back to see where Israel has come from and the purpose of Israel then it will help us look around in these present circumstances and know and understand the times, the seasons, know and understand why Satan utterly hates this people group, why he has always hated them and will hate them in the future. So we will go back and we will see their past. We'll look around and see their present. But friends, it also helps us look ahead to see their future and what a future they have. If you want to understand my thinking biblically of Israel, there are two key chapters of the Bible that I would love for you to research on your own and do your own homework. Number one, Romans chapter 11. Romans 11, I believe emphatically teaches that God is not finished with the people of Israel. Romans 11 teaches that right now it is what is called the times of the Gentiles. Now, why is that significant? Because you have to understand that in Israel's past, how did God form Israel? They were not a nation. They were not a people. And who did God call? Abraham, And that's going to come into play when we talk about the Palestinians in a moment. God told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And what have we learned throughout our whole study of the book of Hebrews? We've learned Galatians 3.29, that if you and I are in Christ, we are thus the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we are grafted in to this plan of God, into the olive tree, which goes back to Romans chapter 11. And what Paul argues in Romans 10 and in Romans 11 is that by Israel rejecting Christ, it brought in All of the nations of the world, it brought in the Gentile church. And if Israel's rejection of Christ was so to our benefit, what is going to be the future when they one day re-embrace him? How much greater will it be for the kingdom of God when Israel recognizes their Messiah? And just as I am blind preaching in this pulpit today, let me tell you, according to Romans chapter 11, Israel is blind to Jesus Christ. But part of God's plan, part of prophecy, part of the narrative of the kingdom of God is when the final days come. And friends, I believe we are in these days. That is when what the Bible says the scales, the blindness will come off of the nation of Israel. And God's redemption plan will then be complete. If we can understand the past, we'll understand the present, we can look ahead to the future, Amen. according to Romans eleven. What is presently happening with Israel is they are blinded to the gospel, but that will one day change. Now, Roman, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter twelve is yet another key concept. To understanding Israel. If you have never listened to our chapter by chapter preaching through the book of Revelation, go back on our Awakened to Grace app. Look up Revelation 12. It will help you so much understand why God is not finished with this nation. Why they are still the people of God. Let's talk a moment about modern-day Israel. Now, it is vital if you're a serious student of the Bible. Let me tell you another sermon to look up on the Awakened app. 70 weeks of Daniel. If you've not heard that, you need to go back and find that sermon because it will tie so much together for you. Let me give you the 60-second crash Synopsis on it. In Daniel 9, in Daniel 9, there is a prophecy given about Israel, not the church, about Israel. Again, it reinforces, Gabriel the angel reinforces the times of the Gentiles. It accurately predicted the destruction of Jerusalem, which Jesus Christ himself prophesied, which happened in A.D. 70. So what did you have happening in A.D. 70 prior to the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ? Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells his followers, "Tarry in Jerusalem... Until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and you'll become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But he said, wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When did that happen? Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell upon the church on the day of Pentecost. And that marked the church era. In my view, and you're welcome to disagree with me, you won't hurt my feelings by disagreeing, but again, you should go back and listen to our seven churches of Revelation study. In my view, the seven churches of Revelation were not only literal, physical, individual congregations, but they also represented time periods from the day of Pentecost, beginning with the church of Ephesus to the closing of the church age with the church of Laodicea, which I believe we are right now currently in. So from the day of Pentecost, throughout all of church history, Something significant changed in A.D. 70. And in A.D. 70, the Roman Empire, under the leadership of Titus, crushed Jerusalem. And Israel was no more. Not as a state. As a people, yes, but not as a nation. And so you had the miracles of the book of Acts and... You had the teachings like what was coming in the book of Hebrews. And you had the early centuries. You had the the early church in full force upon the earth. And then Israel was taken away. Why? Because of Daniel 9. Desolation was decreed by God Almighty. And desolation happened in the land of Israel. But then Isaiah 66, verse 8, prophesies that in a single day, a nation would be born. Friends, there is only one nation in humanity ever born in a single day. And it happened on May 14th, 1948. The atrocities of the Holocaust were over. The world was horrified by Hitler and his monsters. And under Harry S. Truman, Israel became a nation again. What is so significant about that? Well, number one, I want you to know two things why it's so significant. Number one, <clears throat> because that fulfills prophecy. There is so much Bible prophecy that could not be fulfilled if Israel were not a nation. So much. It's staggering. God's prophetic clock began ticking again then. Now again, I promise you, if you go back and you listen to that sermon... Daniel's 70 weeks. You'll understand the 69 weeks. You'll understand the time intervals. You'll understand what the times of the Gentiles really represent. It's the church age. I, I can't go into all of it right now, but it goes into it goes into Ruth being a Gentile. And Boaz taking her as his Gentile bride and Boaz becoming her near kinsman redeemer. And it goes into Christ becoming humanity and taking us, his Gentile bride, as our near kinsman redeemer. There's so much. We're just in question one. I've got to keep going. Okay. Number one. Most of Bible prophecy could not have been fulfilled without May 14th, 1948 happening. But number two, this is why it's also significant. From AD 70 until May 14th, 1948, Israel and the church did not coexist. Right now, the days that you and I are living in just like the early church, Israel and the church are coexisting, but only for a very short period. Why? In my view of scripture, again, you're welcome to disagree. Revelation 3, the church of Laodicea closes out the church age. From Revelation chapter 4, when John hears the trumpet and says, Come up here, which symbolizes, in my view, the harpazo, the rapture of the church. The church is never mentioned again in the book of Revelation until the end, chapter 19, with the marriage supper of the Lamb at the conclusion of the seven-year tribulation period. In Revelation 1 to 3, every name for the Lord Jesus Christ, every figure, every symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ is Greek. For example, Christ is Alpha and Omega. That's A to Z in the Greek alphabet. But after chapter 3, beginning in chapter 4 through the rest of the book, every imagery, every name, every symbol for Christ is then all Jewish. And why? Because then the narrative changes. And God then is going to fulfill his agenda for the nation of Israel. And then the narrative is no longer the church, but is Israel. Why? The church is raptured. We are, Revelation 4 and 5, we are around the throne of God. And I believe that is the Bema judgment seat of Christ, where believers will be rewarded for the way they lived on the earth. You know, it's really not different in my view than when we studied the book of Acts. You know, we spent two years in the book of Acts. You know, the the, the narrative in Acts primarily follows Peter until chapter 12. And then when Peter is rescued out of prison by the angel, Peter fades from the pages of Acts. We see him only one other time at the Council of Jerusalem very, very briefly. But then where does the narrative go? It then picks up the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. I see it in a similar way. Right now, the narrative is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the rapture takes place. The church will fade from the pages of history. Well, let's say from the, from the newspapers, future of history. And who is it going to be? The narrative will then be Israel. And then when the scales come off of Israel's eyes and they recognize their Messiah, then the kingdom of God is then going to be complete. Does that make sense to everyone? So number one, is Israel owners or are they occupiers? I argue owners based on Genesis 15, 18, based on Isaiah 66, 8. Number two, why does Satan hate the Jewish people? You know, if you think about it, there are... Racism, there is racism, there are clashes, there are certainly pockets of hatred in all people groups. Uh, Every people group has strife in some way. But the Jews are the only one who has a name for it. Anti Semitism. Where does it come from? If you're going to take notes, I want you to note this Satan incites anti-Semitism. And he's always done it. He did it this weekend in Tehran, in London, in Paris, in Toronto, in New York City, in Washington, D.C., and many other places. Right now, they tell us that Threats, just in America, Jews are 2.4% of our population, and they tell us that anti-Semitism threats are up 400% right now, currently. (coughs) Why does Satan hate Israel? Friends, he always has. And see, the narrative right now is that people are angry with Israel because they see them as occupiers. No, friends, that's not the whole truth. Because before Israel was even a state in 1948, look how, look how the Nazis hated and hunted the Jews. Before there was even a nation. The Jewish people have always been hated on the earth. They've always been hunted on the earth. Why? Going so far back as even Pharaoh himself in the land of Egypt. Going on to Haman and the story of Mordecai and Esther. Trying to annihilate the Jewish people. Why do you suppose Satan has always hated them? Let me give you the biblical answer. Because Israel birthed the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Revelation chapter 12. The woman... Is Israel, the son that she births, who will one day rule the nations with an iron rod. That's Psalm 2. That's the millennial kingdom. That is Christ. The dragon is Satan. That serpent, that accuser of God's people. He has always hated the people of Israel. Why? Because they brought to us the Messiah. They brought to us the very scriptures, the very word of God. In essence, this is why he hates Israel is because every nation in the earth were pagans, but it was Israel that worshiped the one, the true, the living God, and they brought the light of the knowledge of God upon the world. And he has forever hated them because of it. Let me tell you more so why he hates them. It's because when Jesus Christ comes at his second coming and he physically touches down upon the earth to establish his kingdom, where is he coming? Jerusalem. And that's why Satan wants that city more than he wants anything. Why do you suppose a small strip of land, roughly the size of New Jersey, the Temple Mount, only 30 square miles, has the history it does and the warfare it does? Friends, you have to understand. Say amen if you're with me right now. The Bible is a tale of two cities. Jerusalem and Babylon. And from Genesis to Revelation, it is a tale of two cities. Go back and listen to our Revelation study. And in chapter 19, one day you and I are going to view from the balconies of heaven and you and I will watch Babylon fall. And as the smoke rises, the scripture says all of the inhabitants of the heavens will shout out hallelujah. Why? Because the final victory will have been won. And you have to understand what is happening right now what happened in 8070, what happened in 1948, what happened with the Yom Kippur War, what happened in all of the previous wars, what happened on October 7th, is not just a geopolitical war. It is not a clashing of ideology. It is a fierce, cosmic, eternal warfare. And you and I are right in the middle of it. And that's why if Satan can keep you distracted with NFL and Taylor Swift and iTunes and Spotify and Amazon, he would love nothing more. Jesus, what did he tell us to do when we see these things coming? Do you remember what he told us to do? He said, look at your phones. (laughs) I heard David Wilkerson say, David's in heaven with the Lord now, but I heard an old sermon by Wilkerson. He said, don't you tell me your television's not an idol. Because he said, why does every piece of furniture face it? Jesus said, Look up. Oh, and the church is so distracted. Come on, Pastor. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Satan hates the people of Israel. Write this down. Three reasons seed. Abraham was the father of many nations, and I'll explain Israel, I'll explain Isaac and Ishmael. But see, Abraham had no idea what what God truly meant. Because we are in Christ, we are now in Abraham, and guess who Abraham is the father of? All spiritual sons and daughters. Satan hates the seed of the heirs of the promise. Isaac was the child of promise, Ishmael was not. Read Romans 9. Jacob received the promise, Esau did not. We are heirs of the promise, as we just studied last week, Hebrews chapter 6. He hates the seed of God. He hates the sons and daughters of God. And he hates you. And he hates your family. And he hates your marriage. He hates your children. He hates your lineage. He hates you. And don't you think for a second that all of this is only about the Jewish people. No, it's about the people of God. So, number two... It's about the soil. The promise was for the seed and the promise was for the land, the soil. The land does matter. And it does matter to God. What happened, just so you know, I found this very interesting. Somebody give me a time check. What time is it? 11:36. Okay. Oh, okay. 1917 was the Balfour Declaration from England. Israel was not a state. But Great Britain began to pave the way for it. In 1922, they began talking borders. History records that Sir Winston Churchill was getting heat from an Arab family named the Hussein family in 1921. In 1922, Sir Winston Churchill, with one pen, divided the nation. He divided it and called it the Jordan. Do you know who the Hussein family is? Today, King Abdullah is a descendant of the Hussein family. The Hussein family say they are direct descendants of Muhammad, and they now rule the nation of Jordan. He divided the land with one stroke of a pen. The land God takes quite serious because God calls it His land. Jerusalem is His holy hill. I was reading this morning in Daniel 9, the way Daniel talked about Jerusalem. Friends, uh, don't get so caught up in football season. Don't get so caught up in your favorite Netflix shows that you offend and anger the Lord that we don't pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It is his city, and he has eternal plans for it. And one day, you and I will live in the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. These are serious matters to the Lord, and they ought to be serious matters to his children, the seed of Abraham. Amen. Now, where, where am I? Where, uh, um, oh, soil. Thank you. Seed, soil, and lastly, this is why Satan hates them. Salvation. Because out of that seed and out of that soil came the salvation for all humanity, the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day he will touch. He will go back. People ask me a lot, Chad, why do you believe in a rapture versus the second coming? I tell you, there's lots of reasons, and you can find them out in the Revelation study. But one of the primary reasons is because... In the second coming, he physically, literally comes and touches down in Jerusalem. And his saints come with him. We will come with him. But in the rapture, he never touches. He comes in the clouds, and we go to be with him. To me, there are very, very clear distinctions between the two. They are two separate events in my view. Number three... Who are the Palestinians? Where do they come from? Well, as I said, Abraham certainly was the father of Isaac, but he was also the father of Ishmael. And Ishmael came through his union with Hagar. And if you read the scriptures, Ishmael was born first. And one day Ishmael mocked Isaac and Sarah. Isaac's mother said, no, 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 no more. And she said, they have to go. Well, God preserved Ishmael for a purpose. They, they were going to die. They were going to, they were in the, in the wilderness. And God preserved them. And God said, I will bless Ishmael. The Arab people descend from him. I'm calling this series Crossfire because I want you to understand how we ought to think and pray about the Middle East as a whole, not just Israel. Scripture is very clear that God will bless those who bless Israel. He will curse those who curse them. Why? Because they are eternally, they are in an eternal covenant with God Almighty. They brought the light of the knowledge of God to the world. They brought the scriptures to the world. They brought the Messiah to the world. They should be honored for that. However the Arab people are eternal souls as well. You and I ought to be interceding right now for the Palestinian people. We ought to be interceding for their salvation. You and I I'm calling this series Crossfire because I don't want you and I to forget there are born again believers who are Palestinians. And you know I don't know of people more rejected on the earth than Palestinian Christians. They're utterly rejected where they live. And the West, we don't even know they exist. Let alone pray for them, we don't even think about them. But yet of all people, they are caught in this crossfire. The Palestinians, while we do not know the the exact origin, here's what we know about the land. Now, this is very important for you to know because the narrative is the Palestinians were there first. My argument is it doesn't matter who was there first, just like it don't matter who built my house. I own my house. I physically have the title to my property. And it don't matter who was there first. God gave the land to Israel. So I don't even get called up in the argument who was there first. But when it comes to the idea of the land... Oh, can I teach for for just 20 seconds on this real quick? Spirits don't die. And you have to understand, when people who you disagree with politically or morally or religiously You cannot get angry at those people. You have to understand there's a spirit behind their thinking. And what there's this spirit happening in our nation right now that wants to rewrite history. Is that right or wrong? And I get so angry at people who want to rewrite our history, but I have to stop myself and go, oh, no, that's a spirit. And that spirit's always been around. I can't get into it today, I will next week, but let me, put my, let, 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 let me prove my case to you. Right now, Iran is one of the biggest problems in the earth, are they not? And do you know what Iran was called until 1935? Persia. And do you know how much Persia is talked about in the Bible? Do you realize that when Daniel's prayers were hindered for three weeks, do you know what hindered Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 10? The spirit of Persia, the prince of Persia. And that thing hadn't gone nowhere. It's as alive today as it was in Daniel's day. And look at what it's doing on the earth. Well, just like there are people today wanting to rewrite history, it happened in in, in 135 A.D. Israel was always called Israel until the Roman emperor Hadrian. And read about Hadrian. Remember, Rome destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Now, you fast forward nearly 70 years later, and here the Roman Emperor Hadrian is on the scene, and he so hates the people of Israel. Why did he hate them? Anti-Semitism, that spirit of Satan. And you make no mistake, anti-Semitism is the spirit of Satan. And let me tell you what he did. He so hated the Jews, he would not allow them to come back to Israel. And he so hated them, he renamed the land after their archenemy, the Philistines. And he called it Philistia, which became known as Palestine. Thus they began being called the Palestinians. Palestinians. It was not originally Palestine. It was A.D. 30 or 135 A.D. So when you hear this narrative, oh, Israel are occupiers and they stole the land. And no, understand the spiritual war behind it. Satan hates the seed because he hates the heirs of the promise. He hates the soil because it's God's land and God freely gave it to the Israelites. Why? Because out of the seed and out of the soil would come God's redemptive plan of salvation. And ultimately, what Satan hates above all things is God's plan of redemption. Can we say amen today? Amen. Number four, and I'll hurry through this. Who is Hamas? If you want to just note this, because again, I want you to be informed, I want you to know. What you're talking about when people do these narratives. Hamas formed as an organization in 1987. They adopted their charter in 88. And you've all heard the news. You know their charter talks about the annihilation of Israel. You see people on social media say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That's the annihilation of the Jews. That's anti-Semitism. That's the spirit of Satan at work, at play in our day. That's Satan trying to thwart the second coming of Christ. It is a spiritual war that is raging right now in the heavenlies. Read Daniel 9, read Daniel 10, read Revelation 12, and listen to the series. You'll love it. 1988, they formed their charter. 1991, they became a militant group. 1993, they bombed the Oslo Accords. 1997, they were labeled a terrorist organization by the United States of America. The year 2000, they began the Infitadas. That's why the border was built between Israel and Gaza. But here's the key. 2006, they won the elections of Palestine. That's the problem. Two things have surprised me, as much news as I have watched over the last four weeks. One, that I have listened to numerous Israelis be interviewed, from civilians to military leaders, to government officials. I have not yet on any news broadcast, not once have I heard an Israeli yet ask for prayer nor God's help. They're completely blinded. And not once have I heard a Palestinian condemn Hamas. Not once. They are elected to represent Palestine. It's interesting that the word Hamas is in the Bible. It's the word for violence. In Hebrew, the word Hamas means destruction, violence. But in Arabic, it's the exact opposite meaning. It means fervor, zealous. Isn't that interesting? Two completely different worldviews. And number five, where is all of this leading? Now, this is where I'm going to close today because I want you to come back next week to really understand what, in my view, is being set for Ezekiel 38 and 39. There is a war to come like the world has never known. Nearly everyone that I follow in the teachings of prophecy, nearly everyone agrees the Ezekiel 38-39 war happens on the front end of the tribulation period before the rapture. And what that war is about, it is about Iran interesting, Persia the land to the extreme north of Israel which is Russia and Turkey I'm going to lay it out for you the best that I can and I'm going to show you why for the first time in global history Russia Iran and Turkey are in alliance with each other it's fulfilling scripture And did you see the headlines today? Did you see who Russia just invited to Moscow? Hamas. Friends, the Bible's lining up like never before. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. And here's what I want you to come back thinking next week. This This is what I want to show you. If it's true that Iran and Russia and Turkey, the stage is being set For the Ezekiel 38-39 war, that means the rapture of the church is the next event to happen. As scripture says, it is high time for the church to Take Awakened to Grace with you on the go. When you download Awakened to Grace on your device, you will have access to hundreds of resources we create all for free. Sermons, music, articles, and more. Download Awakened to Grace wherever you get your favorite apps.